Welcome back to another edition of the Canes Insight Podcast brought to you by Canes. We're back at the FRM Studios. D, it's been a while. I've been on the road. I was on the road for a couple weeks. These all-star games, the NFL PA game, uh, the East-West Shrine game, and the Senior Bowl was out there with some clients. Saw some Canes out there as well. So we'll get into all that. But excited to be back here, man. There's been a lot going on uh, in, in the Canes world. Yeah, definitely excited to be back. Feels like forever. The the fans have been missing the crotch wide shot, you know. Uh, getting tired of the Miami Beach studios. Wanted to switch it up, get something a little more professional. So happy to be back, and uh, I know you got a lot to talk about from your journey. Yeah, man, it was uh, it was a good trip. Was out in L.A. for the, like I said, the first game was the NFL PA game. Um, so they, I think there was three canes, four canes out there. Lou Headley as well. So Lou Headley was there. Mitchell Agude, DJ Ivy, DJ Scaife. We're all out there. We had a couple clients out there as well. Um, then there was the East-West Shrine game. Um, and then the Senior Bowl, obviously, Tyreek Stevenson and, and Will Mallory were out there. So we'll get into that, um, you know, now in a bit. But Lance Guidry, the, the new defensive coordinator, obviously not a name that was, uh, was mentioned a lot when you talk about these articles that come out and stuff on social media, right? Um, so uh, some of these hires have kind of been um, out of nowhere, so to speak, uh, for for Mario. Um, and I know you did the, the pod yesterday. You, you guys can go check it out. Uh, you did that with Lance Rofers. Um, so obviously, if you want D Money's full full thoughts, you know, go check that out. But um, for those who haven't had a chance to listen to it, what are your brief thoughts on on that hire? Yeah, well. You mentioned it came out of nowhere. We said on the bank last week, you know, I know what I don't know. I spoke to someone very much plugged in, and they said this is a very secretive process. And, of course, the name that the first name that leaked from the coordinator side was someone that no one had mentioned. So that's how the search is going. Like you mentioned, me and Lance yesterday did a kind of X's and O's type of breakdown of Gidry on film. Did a more, little more digging, spoke to some people that know Gidry very, very well. I know you've spoken to mm-hmm. scouts and people in that world, the non-UM world, about Gidry's reputation. So try to compile a little more information that's not necessarily in yesterday's podcast, which is more of a, of a technical X's and O's podcast. Speaking as someone who's known Gidry for a long, long time, message I got was, this guy comes with an edge in a good way, just a different personality, a different personality than maybe we've had at Miami you saw that in the video that, that you know, kind of was going viral of him at Western Kentucky. Oh, yeah, players love him, but a, a different kind of cat. He was compared to Manny Diaz in terms of both his philosophy of making plays behind the scrimmage, uh, line of scrimmage and also trying to have fun. Turnover chain's a Manny thing, but that could have been a Gidry thing. He's that kind of guy. Probably the difference between Manny and Gidry from what I understand, talking to people, Gidry has more of a presence. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a personality. He's he's that kind of guy that you feel him when he walks into a room. So a lot like Manny, but different in that way. And he had a quote that I loved that I wanted to repeat it is, at the end of the play, either our band's going to be playing or their band's going to be playing, <laughs> meaning big plays, turnovers, interceptions. They're out there to really disrupt uh, with Gidry. And just a total cane. Old school came. Right. His first game as a head coach was McNeese State against that great 2000 Miami team. I was at that game. I'm sure a lot of our listeners were as well. So he knows what Miami can do. And I'm told that if it works out, you know, 
and Miami plays well on defense, this is a guy that could be here for the long haul. He's not necessarily trying to be a head coach. He wants to be the defensive coordinator with a badass defense with great athletes, and he has that opportunity here in Miami. So what are some of the things you're hearing? Yeah, so just talking to some people in the league, and you know, obviously uh, they have their pulse on some of these, some of these hires and, and uh, coaching changes that go on. The overwhelming thing that I got is that he's he's very well respected in the coaching community, right? So uh, you mentioned that he's a guy who does have an edge to him. Sometimes that can be, be perceived in the coaching community as a gimmicky sort of thing, right? I, that's not the case uh, with him. He's a, he's a guy who has worked his way up, right? Was a high school coach, grinded his way to get, you know, where, where he is now. Um, and, you know, the people at Tulane... Were, were pretty bummed out to hear because he, you know, how, how long was he there? A couple of days, right? So the people at Tulane were very, very bummed out uh, to hear that, you know, they were going to be losing him because that, that's how excited they were about it. You know, he, he, he's a guy that obviously, again, you talked about the X and O's in, in the podcast with, with Lance, but um, again, the, the yards per play and the per play numbers defensively were very, um, very impressive last year, and that's kind of been the case of some of his other stops as well. Um, but like I said, very well respected in the coaching community, which, you know, that goes a long way um, when you're talking about building a staff. And I think what you mentioned is very important because, you know, you saw what happened today. Charlie Strong uh, leaves. There's been some other, you know, movement on staff as well. But if you're looking at a guy who could be here for the long haul, um, that's a cornerstone piece to the staff, which did you ever really think that Kevin Steele was going to be here, you know, with as much as he moved around, right? So, um, you know, it could be more than just the one-year, two-year hire. It could be, it could be something that's, that's a, a culture-building hire as well. Yeah, and yeah, I know because I know you, but people who are listening, Pete's getting this information from people that aren't at UM. So right. Scouts talking about people in the coaching world, people that are looking at this from the outside in. And it's just been very, same thing I'm getting, which is unanimous, uh, I don't say it be praise, but really people are excited to see how it plays out and they think it's an interesting move and, and they like the guy. Uh, one thing X's and O's wise I didn't mention with Lance, Gidry's known for a kind of old school buddy Ryan bear front. He likes to get guys one-on-one where you have you know, five guys for the five offensive linemen, one-on-one matchups across the board, and then having deception out of that where you don't know who's going to drop. You're going to show something and do the other thing. You might play some games where you think you're one-on-one with somebody, and then, you know, there's there's movement up front. There's a twist, and something else happens. you got to deal with that. Uh, it's going to be – when you talk about names like Buddy Ryan, uh, that, that gets you excited about right. what this defense might look like from an aggression standpoint. Uh, so I would think a guy like Mesador – who I was talking to a scout uh, about him today, who said, you know, he's definitely a guy who could be a, a you know top 100 type pick next year. Um, probably could have gotten drafted, you know, decently high this year as well if if, if he decided to come out. But um, obviously, the NIL stuff I think has changed a lot of the perspectives for some of these guys who, you know, yeah, they could come out and be draft picks. But we've talked about this before. Um, but a guy like Mesador, I think that, that he's probably going to put up some pretty big numbers this year. And then Leonard Taylor as well. But um, those two come to mind uh, right off the bat. No, absolutely. And again, check out uh, yesterday's podcast with Lance Roffers, a little more detailed X's and O's breakdown. 
but wanted to give you some more things we're hearing about Guidry uh, from others and not just our eyes. These are other people who do this for a living and, uh, and have strong thoughts about Guidry. So Pete, obviously you weren't here. You were traveling at these bowl games. You were up close and personal with one of your clients, Tyreek Stevenson at the senior bowl, also Will Mallory. Uh, what are some of the things that you heard and saw regarding these Canes that are trying to go to the next level? Yeah, both of those guys had had uh, really good weeks. Obviously, they're in uh, a little bit of different situations, each of them. Um, but Tyreek, you know, he really helped himself. Not only, uh, you know, people saw some of the clips from the one-on-ones and how he was dominating physically out there, a lot of these receivers. And, and at the end of the day, he came in there in really, really good shape. Um, I forget what he... I think he came in at just over 200 pounds, uh, which probably was playing the season maybe 10 pounds heavier. So I think that, you know, obviously he's he's a naturally uh, bigger defensive back, right? A cornerback to be to be exact, right? But he, at the same time, I think it, his fluidity was on display with as physical as he was able to play, right? But with him, it wasn't just the on the field stuff. The interview process went really well for him out there. Obviously, a guy who has transferred schools, he's always going to have to answer questions about what happened there. You know, what did you learn in that uh, process coming over to Miami? And then he was here for a couple years. So, you know, what was the difference between the, the coaching staff? That's all the sort of, you know, questions that he need, needed to answer out there. And the overwhelming response was that uh, he did a very, very good job um, in that portion of it. So, I mean, look, going into the senior bowl already, I think had a very good chance based on what we'd been hearing of being a top 100 pick. Um, but I think solidified himself as a, as a top 50 pick with a solid chance now moving forward, um, with pro day and the combine, obviously the testing is going to, uh, kind of determine how a lot of these, uh, guys at each position kind of get slotted. But, as long as he goes out there and confirms which, what we already know about him being an explosive, uh, an explosive guy who we expect to test well. And when I say we, it's not like you know us at the agency. I'm talking about the, the scouts and what, what they see, right? Because a lot of it is just confirming what they see on film, right? So he goes out there and runs, you know, four low low to mid four fours. That's that's probably what that's what a lot of these these scouts are already seeing they just he just confirms that you go out there and run something you know in the four threes then that's where he can you know really go a lot higher than anyone probably thought uh when this process begun right so and the thing about him uh, that we were just talking about it before the show too is that there are some teams i think he could be a top 10 type cornerback in the nfl there's also some teams that Look, look at him as a guy you can match up with tight ends, with different, you know, bigger receivers in the slot. You, you, you can move him around as that, as that chess piece the way that, you know, the Rams do with, with Jalen Ramsey. So when you have some teams who value him as high as they do as a corner, and then some teams think he can play that safety nickel role, which has become, you know, increasingly important in the league now with the way that these, these offenses are, uh, are being run when you have that much value and bring that much to the table, half the team may look at him as a, as a strictly as a, as a cornerback and half the team is going to look at him as that guy they move around. Right. Um, but that's where he's, he's pushing the ability to become, you know, a, a solidified first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, we've been saying on the podcast 
since the beginning, since before he was anywhere near, you know, your client, that this guy was the best NFL prospect on the team. Not surprised. Kind of reminds you of Artie Burns in terms of Miami fans liked him, but they didn't think he was a first. Well, and, and that's what I, I see it on social media. Everyone's kind of surprised by it. And I, I, I understand that aspect of it. But from the physical standpoint, and again, you got to look at what else is in the class. It's not a very, it's not a, it's not the strongest corner class, you know, out there. Um, he's in a very good position because, you know, the way these teams look is they they look at the the athlete and obviously the mental uh, side of it goes into what their ceiling could become and the coachability and all that. But in terms of the the clay that you can mold with. That is Tyreek, you know, he, he gets he gets some some good development at the next level and it's he's gonna be an all pro. And he's a tackler. I mean he's physical, he makes you a tougher team when you pick him. You don't have to worry about that aspect. That was one of the things we heard of the senior bowl was, you know, there was a three by two drill where, you know, basically they had to read if it was gonna be a bubble and if it was gonna be a bubble, they had to go shoot and, and make the you know, make the tackle and a couple scouts just said, "Man, in that drill, you could hear his pop, and you could, you could, you know, you could almost feel it. And it's, you know, they're they're padded, but it's still a, 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 an all-star practice at the end of the day. So just in those little moments, he, he was he was impressive. So he he checked pretty much all the boxes out there. He went down. I think it was the uh, late in the second day of practice or the third. I figured it was the second or third day. He missed a day of practice." Um, out there, and then obviously played in the game, but had he had uh, pulled his hamstring, had tightened up. So, um, but he was okay, ended up getting out to the next day and playing. But other than that, it was you know pretty much an A plus week for him. Yeah, there was like a play where it was a tackle. They didn't have grabbing the guy's neck. It looked like in the game, yeah. it looked like he was gonna do like a the old rude awakening, yeah. ravishing Rick Rude. I know it's a little before your time. It, yeah, that definitely don't fully understand the reference, <laughs> but I I know the play you're talking about. But uh. I think usually there's a corner run between 20 and 30. Mm-hmm. My guess is he goes in that, yeah, in that range. Agreed. That'd be my prediction. Will Mallory, probably second half of day three, round six and seven. You think that's accurate? Yeah, so, you know, good week for him. Um, it's just with him, it's the, it's the injury concern, right? Uh, obviously, we saw what he was when he came into Miami. I think still is going to be a guy that, that makes it in the league and, and you know, is going to bring value to someone as a, a, you know, a number two, number three tight end but the can he stay healthy is going to be the team's biggest concerns obviously we hope that he has a a, you know healthy long career um and i think he's going to be able to find a niche but that's why when you talk about his value where it maybe once was was a bit higher it's just those are the questions that they're going to have to and a lot of that stuff gets gets uh figured out when he does the medical check at the combine and, and maybe you know throughout pro day and stuff like that but uh you know hopefully he just hopefully he most teams keep him you know give him the the green arrow to be a to be a draft pick and that stuff doesn't scare too many people away but that's where he's at definitely i'm curious to see him in the combine too because this guy can run Mm -hmm. he was a track guy in high school i think he was like either 10 9 or or close to it He, he that was that was uh some pounds ago um you know, natural power. I'm not saying he's he's overweight, but what I'm saying is he was also a much leaner version of himself. And again, the injuries, I, I that's what some of these people in the league have hypothesized that the injuries have slowed him down a bit. But 
that's where, again, if that's what their concern is, he goes out there and tests better than what they're expecting. That will force people to go back and look at the tape and say, man, you know, he looked a lot better freshman, sophomore year, the way he was moving around at least. If we can get him back healthy, maybe we have something. So that's where the value comes into play for a team with him. So part of your journey is you've been speaking to folks who about our current personnel, I mean, mm-hmm. the current Miami Hurricanes, uh, including recruits and also guys we're bringing in from the portal. Uh, what have you heard from scouts about Matt Lee, the center from UCF? Yeah, so very interesting with him, um, you know, because obviously the center is not the, the sexiest position out there. We we have discussed, you know, what he's what he's going to mean to the team. But I had one scout tell me that the upgrade that you're getting with him from a body and from an athleticism standpoint over what Miami, you know, had previously uh, is huge, right? And when you look at the center, he's a guy who could get drafted uh, for sure next year, right? Um, but when you look at the center position and you look at what Miami's trying to do offensive line-wise, this scout told me, look, the center position is the one that really sets the tone for the offensive line. There's going to be a lot of shuffling around, a lot of changes on this line from last year, and we, we understand that that's got to be the position that probably takes you know one of the biggest leaps on the team, if not the biggest. Um, we expect them to have the bodies, but there's going to be a lot of moving parts there. So that acquisition at center is about as big as anything um, Miami's done this offseason. Obviously, you have Cohen coming in. You have you know some of these young guys. Um, but again, the upgrade you're getting from a uh, from a body and an athleticism standpoint at that position is huge with Matt Lee. Yeah, when I watched the film on Lee, I I expected a this G five, so I expected a smaller guy, maybe a technician, a scrappy guy, decent athlete. He's big and he's strong. And he was pushing people and he was anchoring up. We'll see how that translates to P five. But I was very surprised by that and put like you mentioned the identity that Mario wants. If you have a center that's moving people and is holding his ground like this guy did on tape in G5, that's going to set the tone, especially when you got these monsters next mm-hmm. to him, including a couple guys that you spoke to somebody about at the Hula Bowl. Or sorry, yeah, the so, I, Bowl. so I was at the NFL PA Bowl in, in L.A. Um, we had a couple clients out there, Mikel Jones from Syracuse, who uh, you know is a, is, is a Miami guy, had, a, had an awesome career up there at Syracuse at, at inside linebacker. Uh, and Stephen Jones from App State, uh, nickel corner, who you know has a has a very good chance to get drafted. It was pretty much the defensive MVP of that game. Um, but guy coaching the defensive lineman for one of the team, one of the teams out there was Domata Pecco. I think it's Pecco. I don't know if it's Pecco or Pico, but I think it's Pecco. Uh, former NFL defensive lineman played for a handful of teams. I know he played for the Bengals as well. Um, but he was coaching. He he lives in L.A. Now pulled up with his Rolls Royce right right to the front of the the Rolls Bowl every day of practice. Um, but awesome dude, I actually recognized um, that Frankie Tinelau and Francis Malgo had been posting with him the week before because he was coaching, um, I guess at the the Polynesian Bowl that they were at in Hawaii, and I guess because his son played with Frankie in in California when Frankie was there for the year for that uh, short period of time that he was over there, but. I went up to him, introduced myself, and said, hey, um, I saw you out there with a couple guys last week that are going to Miami. He said, oh, how do you know about them? I said, and I kind of gave him the background. He said, man, those two guys, talking about Frankie Tinelau and Francis Malgo, he said, those two guys 
are future first round picks. They're the total package. Great kids, you know, uh, in terms of coachability, you know, that's that is was the number one thing he was he was, you know, talking about with them and physically they're just they're monsters, you know. So he was he was singing those guys' praises, uh, trying to get see if we get him on the show to get, you know, get him uh to talk a little bit more in depth about those guys. Um, but he was just blown away and he knew Frankie a little bit from his time in, in California with his son. Um but he said, Oh man, Miami's getting a couple good ones in them. So he said he said he said Miami's gonna be dangerous recruiting the Polynesians for sure. He said that you get a couple of those guys, and we've talked about it, you know, the pipeline that that uh they're trying to build, right? And uh, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see them continue to do that uh, on a year in, year out basis. Switching gears real quick to the most successful team in Miami, Miami Hurricanes basketball yeah. coach L. Great week. Beat Clemson, a very good Clemson team. Beat a Duke team that's down, but beat the hell out of them, mm-hmm. uh, which Miami has done a lot. It's like bizarre world. We're getting awesome, awesome the crowd field. the other night. Um, you know, I was I was out there, and obviously the Dukes of the world always bring out the the Dukes and the Carolinas always bring out the the biggest crowds. But it's not like this is a, a you know a, a top ten. Duke team this year, right? It's not, you know, Coach K is not there anymore, so it's it's not quite the same uh, luster, I feel like. But man, the student section was uh, was amazing, and and um, you know, I was talking to one of my guys, Anthony Walker, who we work with on the NIL side, and he was just telling me that the energy from from the students was, you know, it, that was probably the best game that that he he said he'd been a part of in terms of the the atmosphere there. And they got Louisville this this Saturday coming up. You know, Clemson still has a, a game lead in the ACC, um, but Miami does have that win over them. So let's see how it plays out. Right now, the biggest thing that I'm seeing is is obviously we and we talked about this a few weeks ago. The presence that Omir brings to the floor, right? You have you know Duke has some has some some six eleven seven footers on that team, and Miami pretty much set the set the tone right away. Duke Duke from the first possession tried to go inside and they couldn't get anything going and then, you know, Omir did what did what he's been doing. Jordan Miller who is probably the well, I'm going to not even say probably, I'm going to say is the most complete player on the team. You heard coach L uh, in an interview the other day say that he's the most underrated player in the conference. I would agree with that. Um and you know, Wong, you know what he's going to bring you pretty much every night. Pack starting to really come into his own. I think become again. People forget that at Kansas State, he he was really more of a shooting guard. You know, shoot a shoot first player. You have Miami last year. The offense. Charlie Moore was a guy who was a facilitator first. The offense, you know, flowed really well with him. You know, running things. So you you bring in a guy in in Pack. You have two ball dominant guys in Pack and Wong. It, it was gonna take a little bit of time. It, and it's not like they they struggled early. They they got off to a, a good start, right? But I think now you're really starting to see things mesh for them offensively because Pack is uh, is kind of finding that balance of when to shoot, when to facilitate, and then the depth is is game by game. You get guys like Bensley Joseph, Harlan Beverly continuing to step up and, and fill 
uh, you know, important roles on this team. And Wuga, I thought he's been. Uh, he's a lot he's been he's taken the 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 biggest step. His confidence is through the roof. I mean, he looks like an NBA type uh, athlete and body, right? Um, but this is remember, that's a guy who has experience. Got played some some minutes. Didn't didn't have the best performance, but against Kansas last year, right? And in, in the Elite Eight. You're bringing back a lot of tournament experience, you know, even if a, a guy like Omir wasn't here last year and Pac wasn't on this team, the Wongs of the world, uh, Jordan Miller, Anthony Walker, Beverly was on that team last year, he, you know, was, was injured. Um, but this is going to be a dangerous team moving forward. Yeah, to me. And, and sorry to cut you off, but I, it's not your typical ACC year where they're getting beat, like they're getting beat up and, you know, knock on wood uh, that, you know, nothing happens, but they're, they've been relatively healthy. And again, it's just not, it's not that same ACC where every game is a grueling battle. You know, they've had a bunch of close, close games, but it, it's not that same uh, war of attrition as it sometimes might be. Um, so I think that could bode well for them, you know, late into March and April. Well, something you touched on that I'm really focused on, actually two things you mentioned. Number one, the dynamic between Pack and Wong. And then number two, yeah, there's been a lot of blowouts when Miami's won. When Miami's lost, there have been close games. Mm-hmm. That tells you that Miami's a good team, that they're you know, losing close, winning big. But my concern is when you get to these tournament games that come down to a couple possessions, how is that dynamic of Wong versus and Pack going to play out? You had Charlie Moore, unquestioned leader in the past. Usually, I mean, all the Miami, the really good Miami teams, whether it's McClinton or or, or Larkin, Moore, Angel Rodriguez. You know, you kind of know who has the ball at the end. Who's going to have the ball here? I personally would rather have Wong on the and ball. And they've tried that a couple times late in games. I don't know if the you know the movement around around the ball was was uh where it needed to be but I don't know I also don't know what the what the play was I don't know if it was an iso call right um but I agree I mean so the wh- Pittsburgh game where it kind of fell right apart. right yeah. so and and then there was another game I, I if I if I remember correctly uh that had happened it may not have been recently but um you're right that's going to be an interesting dynamic personally I like Jordan Miller with the ball in his hands too because I think he's the guy who's going to make the the smart basketball decision um and you see him in transition. He's he's really awesome as as a facilitator in transition. Um, it just always seems like he's making the right play. So you know maybe run something through him because he can shoot it. He can get to the hoop. He can finish with with either hand. And like I said, he's gonna make the right play. So if someone's open, right, then then he's a guy who uh, definitely. I would trust with the ball, uh, you know, in his hands at the end of the game. So Philip the Watsko. Go on, Kansas. I got the basketball board rolling and uh, get excited about this team because it is the best team in town. Yeah, and it's, and it's, listen, I don't, I think they're not going to sneak up on people this year either. At least locally, I think there's more buzz about this team right now than there was because the team last year, I don't think was ranked at all, if I, if I remember correctly, last year. I think a lot of people here knew that they were built for a run, but, you know, they're getting, they're getting some, some media attention, some buzz, which this is awesome. I mean, they, Listen, Coach O has been consistently bringing in top 25 type classes. If you can start to make that a top 15, top 20 class and every, you know, every year just just move it up a little bit, but all this stuff uh plays into it. Like I said, they're not going to sneak up on anybody 
this year, but um, I think very much like last year, they're built for it. I'm not personally, I'm not too concerned about running into uh, a team that's gonna quote unquote uh, eat you up inside unless they're playing Purdue. But Miami's very just just like my, you would be concerned about a, a big man or, or you know a post presence. A lot of teams are concerned about what they have to do when it comes to Miami's trapping um, and their speed on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so yeah, it's like the Warriors and the NBA or the old Chicago Bulls with Jordan. You don't have to be huge to be a defensive team. Um, you can you have got a lot of guys that are the same size. I should say with you know the Bill Cartwright teams before you were even born. <laughs> um, a lot of guys the same size. A lot of guys with quickness and they and they're physical. Virginia, most physical team on their schedule. I thought they matched a blow for blow. So it'll be, a, it'll be a fun team to watch. Very similar, in my view, to what he did at George Mason when he went to the Final Four as far Definitely. as the, the buildup of the team. So uh, Listen, I would love to see them. This is my last thing I'll say. I would love to see them uh, you know, run the table here at the end and go get a, a regular season ACC championship like they did in 2013. To me, that's a huge accomplishment. Look, anyone can get hot uh, and win a, win a tournament. But to say that you were the best team for the the course of that season, like I said, it's not not the same ACC, but you know UVA is still a top ten, top fifteen team this year. Carolina hasn't played all that well, but we know that they have the ability to go on a run as well. So, and they said that last year about the ACC, and then you go to the tournament, and who who actually advanced? Right, so. exactly, exactly. So, no, looking forward to it. All right, we got an episode of the bank coming up next. Uh, first, a word from our buddies at Gainswear. Whether it's in the FRM studio, the Miami Beach studio, it is always about Gainswear, the spot where Miami fans shop, the number one place for all kinds of apparel for all your Miami teams, whether it's the Heat, the Hurricanes, the Marlins, the Panthers, United, doesn't matter, they got it. My favorite product they put out in years, the Lady Kane starter jacket. Get it for your wife, $129.95. Just a beautiful piece of work. Fits great, looks great. Still a little chilly outside. Get the jacket. Valentine's Day, just for any kind of uh, surprise, you will be popular because it looks that good. Also, the Super Bowl square contest. You got this, the Super Bowl this Sunday. Buy a square with Kane's wear. $10, you can win the $50 Canesware gift certificate, and all the proceeds go to the Miami Dolphins Cancer Challenge. So, you know, whether it's supporting the community, supporting your team, Canesware.com or the brick-and-mortar store in Davie, it's all there at the Spot Miami Fan Shop, Canesware. All right, it's time for The Bank, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up, promo code CIS, you get $200 free to play right away. Super Bowl's on Sunday. They got all kinds of over-unders uh, and games to play with the Super Bowl. You want to get some action on that game, $200 right in your pocket just for using promo code CIS. Also, daily fantasy drafts, you name it. Underdogs Fantasy is the place to be. Promo code CIS and get hooked up. All right, last week I had a loaded bank. I wanted to just clean up on a couple things and, and, and bring some new information to the table about the class of 2024. One thing I wanted to emphasize is, this is my own observations, but information I'm also gathering, which is the class in South Florida this year is lacking some big-time players. 
That doesn't mean people won't emerge. You saw Chris Johnson, a Stan Kwan Clark have great senior years and become those big-time prospects. But right now, South Florida is a bit lacking. So when you see Miami really focus on what they consider the priority targets and the studs, you're going to see a major national flair to what they do. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to recruit these Chaminade kids like crazy or a guy like Chris Wheatley Humphrey, the running back out of Dillard with extraordinary speed, uh, or a guy like Ricky Knight out of Benjamin. They're identifying big-time players locally. There's just not as many as you may have seen in the past, like a class of 2021, for example, or even last year. So that's something to watch, the national flavor of this class, at least in these early stages. Now, uh, Lennon D., a poster on Kane's Insight, has compiled a list of the big board for various positions, and very comprehensive. If you're on Kane's Insight forums, check them out. You're going to get a ton of names that really summarize the guys Miami's after. But I wanted to focus on a few names that maybe are lower rated, not getting talked about a lot, but are guys that I know that Miami has a lot of interest in. These aren't necessarily imminent commits or anything like that. These are just guys that aren't getting talked about right now that Miami likes a lot, and I wanted to bring to your attention. So with that, talking about a guy like Kevin Riley, a running back from Alabama. You say, Alabama recruit. That's going to be tough to beat out the local schools. But when you watch the NFL draft, NFL players are leaving Alabama all the time. It's one of the top states for producing players, and they don't all go to the University of Alabama or Auburn. So keep an eye on a guy like Kevin Riley, running back uh, out of Tuscaloosa. Kevin Smith, the running back coach, has landed big-time players out of Alabama to places like FAU and Ole Miss. So he's one to watch. Max LeBlanc, who's a no-star tight end out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's someone to keep an eye on as an emerging player that Miami likes at that position. Uh, DeBron Gatling, Texas A&M commit, Milton Georgia wide receiver, teammate of Aaron Noland, another guy Miami likes a lot that's not getting a lot of buzz on the Miami boards. Um, Daniel Cruz, offensive lineman out of Richland, Texas, Three-star guy, but is getting some big-time interest. Miami's among those teams interested in him. And you know what Miami does at offensive line. They tend to zero in and do a great job on their targets. Uh, Darian Mayo, 6'7", big defensive end out of Baltimore. He's someone that's another three-star guy that doesn't get the attention, but is someone to watch. Uh, Edwin Spillman, a linebacker out of Tennessee. He came down, really liked what he saw, and Miami liked what they saw in him. Someone to keep an eye on, a linebacker. Uh, Collage Cobbins, linebacker out of Destrehan, Louisiana. That's Ed Reed's old school. Will be a tough pull, but he's someone that Miami likes a lot. Uh, Khalil Cummins, Cummings, spelled C-H-A-L-I-L, a cornerback out of Stark, Florida. FSU's pushing really hard for him. He's another three-star guy, but I think he's someone who's rising. Keep an eye on that player. And then Isaiah Thomas, safety out of Clearwater, uh, a Canadian. You know, Clearwater uh, has been bringing in Canadian players to train up to the next level and players from all over Sweden. You saw Lucas Simmons went to FSU last year, Akeem Mesador, of course, Miami hurricane. So keep an eye on Isaiah Thomas, not the point guard, but the big safety out of Clearwater as another guy that Miami likes portal wide receiver. I mentioned last week, Miami wants to take two. It's hard to get information on the portal from the schools because they're limited to whoever's in the portal. And right now there's not that many people still left, but Talking to people in the NIL agent world, I'm hearing that there are multiple big-time receivers that are unhappy and that are very likely to jump in the portal after the spring. So I can't really say the names, but if these names do jump in the portal, I am 
positive. These are guys that Miami is going to be very, very interested in just because they fit the profile of what Miami's looking for and what they need. So expect a lot of action in the portal at the wide receiver position. If these agents are, are telling me the truth and they tend to have a good pulse on who's going to jump. You know, I heard from one of those guys that Cohen was unhappy before he jumped in the portal, ultimately went to Miami. So there's guys that are not that too happy with their current situation. They're still rolling out the spring, but they could jump in the portal. That post-spring portal, you're not going to make your whole team or your whole portal class post-spring, but if you can get a few select guys that could put you over the top, and that's what Miami needs at the wide receiver position and at the big defensive tackle position. Keep an eye on those spots, but particularly at wide receiver. Miami would love to add some speed and some explosiveness at that, at that position, some playmaking, a number one type of guy. And there's multiple guys that are unhappy with their current situations, and you never know what could happen. So stay tuned. Kane's Insight, keep refreshing. Keep refreshing those forums. And uh, there's going to be information rolling all the way through until spring starts in March, and the recruiting really, really picks up. So nowhere to go. Kane'sInsight.com the best in the business.